How many of you love Thanksgiving? Okay. Like they raised their hands. You guys started to clap. Um, I know it sounds maybe strange for a pastor to say this, but Thanksgiving is like my favorite holiday. I mean, it's, it's my favorite. I remember, I grew up in Alabama, Birmingham. I remember driving with my family almost every Thanksgiving over through Atlanta and then up north to Asheville, North Carolina. And that's where my grandmother lived and my cousins would come and we'd spend some time together. My uncle had this old Jeep uh, with the window down. When you drove in it, things would hit you in the face. It was awesome. And we would drive to the top of the mountain uh, and we would do a bonfire, and my mom and her brother and sisters would fight all weekend, and I loved it. <laughs> Thanksgiving is an incredible moment that reminds us every year of what we have. Now, let me say that again. Thanksgiving is a reminder in a world that tells us all the time about what we don't have. Thanksgiving is a reminder every year of what we do have. And it's God's blessings in our life. And it gives us the opportunity to say thank you. Thank you, God, for all that you've, you've blessed me with. And I think that's one of the reasons I, I love Thanksgiving so much. Uh, peanut butter pie doesn't hurt. Um, but all of those things uh, help me to dial my mind in to the goodness of God. And I hope you find that this week as well. That as you gather, as you sit around that table and eat some good food, whether you're with friends or family, um, that you're reminded of God's goodness in your life and you're able to say thank you. Uh, I was recently cleaning out my bedside drawer. Have you done this ever? I mean, there's uh, chocolate that's melted in the bottom of it. There, there are things that I, I, I never knew that I even had that are in there. And I pulled out recently from my bedside table this beauty. Does anybody know what this is? This is the iPod mini. The iPod mini. Look at that brick. Look how thick that thing is. I pulled this out of my bedside table and I started to think back. Now, why did I get this? And then I remembered. Uh, some of you remember, you remember the Walkman? It allowed you to do your exercise on the go with some good music from your cassette tape. And then they invented the Discman. And the disc man was so frustrating because if you took it running with you, it would just skip the whole time. It would never lock in unless you had a really good one that I never knew about, but it would just skip the whole time. And so then Apple created the iPod. I mean, this puppy has four gig of memory on it. Like I could put 10 songs on here, maybe more. And this has a little display. I know you, you can barely see it because it's many, um, but it would tell me the song that was playing and how long the song had left before it was done. I loved it. And as an athlete, somebody who loved, well, as a wannabe athlete, someone who loves to run, I thought this would be a game changer for me. I even bought this little clip right here. Because like a Walkman, a Discman, you have to carry in your hand. But this guy, you just pop on and you put it on your shorts or your running pants or whatever, and you plug in your earphones and you're good to go on a run. This right here changed my life. And then I forgot that I even had it. And um, on the bottom is this 
connector point, uh, port that I don't even know if they make this kind of connector anymore. Someone from the first service stopped me and said, hey, I think I have one of those if you need it. And I said, oh, you cleaned out your bedside drawer too. And, um, and in the top, there's a headphone jack. There is some sort of a jack here that they don't even use anymore, and I don't even know what it's for. And then there's a hold button, which is awesome. Um, this doesn't work anymore, but it was a life changer back in the day. Now, what does this have to do with anything? This reminded me that so often we think that our money or the things that our money can buy are going to be the things that change our life forever. And fairly soon, we discover that these kinds of things become obsolete and useless, worthless. They're simply temporary in the world in which we live. Does that make sense? This was a great reminder to me. My iPod, and I thought about just throwing it away, and what I'm hoping that it becomes a collector's item that will sell for millions of dollars one day, or that there's some sort of Apple stock that's tucked down into it or something that will be worth something. But the reality is, it's worth nothing. It's really useless at this point. I think even if I found a way to connect it to my computer, I doubt that the computer would even support this old of a device. And I remember, I'm reminded again this Thanksgiving of all the stuff that God's blessed me with, but I'm especially reminded that it's people that make all the difference in my life. These things are temporary. They come and they go, just like our money. Uh, we've gotten into a rhythm, and we joined with some other churches around the country uh, this time of year. And you came on this Sunday where we talk about a, a, a topic, and, and it's titled Be Rich. And it's, I believe, directed. It's in the Bible, and I think it's directed to people like us who have the ability to buy things like this. Okay, so we're going to talk about this just for a couple minutes. Are you going to hang in there with me for a couple minutes? All right, so I got 10 people who are going to hang in with me. The rest of you, I'm going to try to get you engaged during the rest of the service at some point. So the Bible is made up really of two distinct parts. There's the Old Testament, and this, these are the books, the stories that happened before Jesus comes along. And it corresponds to the Jewish people and the old covenant that God had with people in the world. And then Jesus comes along, and so we have the New Testament, which is the new covenant, which God includes everybody on this. God's love is for everyone. And so there's a couple different sections in the New Testament. There are the stories of Jesus, and then there are basically letters written to churches like us. So super applicable to people who are trying to follow Jesus in their life. So some of us are trying to follow Jesus, right? And so it's written to people like us who are trying to follow Jesus. There's one letter in particular. Paul, one of the very first Christians, thinking about Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, he's uh, passing on to a young man named Timothy who's a pastor of a church like this. And he's telling him, Timothy, there are certain things I want you to encourage in your congregation. And so I almost read it as if Paul's writing to me, you know, 2,000 years later saying, Matt, don't miss this. Like, as the pastor of the church, you have a lot of responsibility to teach certain things and lead in certain ways, so don't miss this. And so um, if you don't like this message, don't blame me. Like, talk to Paul, 
who hopefully one day you'll get to see in heaven and it'll be awesome. So this is what Paul writes uh, to Timothy, the pastor. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Now, if you're like me and you read a passage of Scripture like this, you skip over it and you think to yourself, well, this has nothing to do with me. He's not writing to me. And so I can just ignore everything else that's going to come in the next few minutes, the next few verses that he writes, right? I mean, that's what we think because none of us would stand up and go, he's talking to me because I'm rich. Like I've got, I don't even know what to do with all my money and stuff. So I need to like dial in and figure out what he's going to say and why he's going to say. Like none of us do that. I've never known anyone to stand up and go, hey, I'm rich. Do you have any words for me? Because none of us think that we're rich. Now, this has taken me years to figure this out and to be able to say this out loud. But I believe the biblical definition of rich is this. If you have more than you need, you're rich. If you have more than you need, you're rich. Now, that doesn't feel very comfortable, does it? Because now I'm talking to all of us, most of us. I'm talking to most of us in this room. Like, if I have more than I need, then I must be rich. If I have the ability to buy one of these to listen to when I go on a run, I probably have more than I need. And so he's talking to me. So I want us just to begin to see if we can say this one short phrase together, okay? So let's try to say this together. I know this is hard to get these words out, but let's see if we can do it. Here we go. I have more than I need. I'm rich. Oh, so because you declared that, you need to listen to the rest, all right? <laughs> see what I did right there? I got gotcha. you. Um, now, here's the tendency for all of us. He, he says, uh, teach them not to be proud and not to trust in money. Here's the human tendency is to be proud, based on what we have, isn't it? I mean, the human tendency is, is to have some pride over what we have or what we hold on to. And so he says, teach them uh, not to be proud, not to trust in their money. The human tendency is to trust that money can provide security in life. Now, let me say that again, just so that we don't miss it, because this is the, the tendency for all of us, is to believe that our money, the money that we have, the money that we one day hope to have, the, 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 the money that we see somewhere else that we're hoping we get at some point, the human tendency is to believe that this money provides security to us. Are you with me? And the human tendency is also to believe that the stuff money can buy is what will bring us human fulfillment in this world. And I think the Bible is reminding us again and again and again of this, this truth that relationships with others are so much more important than anything money can buy. Relationships. I mean, those of you who have kids or grandkids, is that not true? Your relationship is so much more important than anything you could have in your possession. Now, someone should say amen. Is there, is there a grandparent in the room? Come on. Yes, like, like the stuff that we buy will never provide lasting fulfillment. Now, this made me happy for a short time. I mean, I love to go on my run and listen to my, but, but it was so temporary. And so what Paul is telling Timothy and then passing on to the church at large is, look, 
if you put your trust in money, and if you believe that these kinds of things, the iPod mini, are going to bring you fulfillment, you will be sorely disappointed when it's all gone. So don't trust in it. Like, don't lean into money as a security blanket because it will fail you. There's people in this room who would stand up and say, I'll testify to that. I thought my money, I thought I had plenty. Stock market turned south in 2007, 2008, 2009. My retirement is not what I thought it would be because money comes and it goes. I will not take it out of this world. It's simply a tool that God has given me to use in this world. So the next statement, you don't have to say this. You, you might want to, but you don't have to say this. But I won't trust in my money. And I've learned to, to try to say this over and over. God, I have more than I need. I'm so grateful, but I'm not going to trust in that money. Like in that retirement, I was taught at an early age to, to save for my retirement, and hopefully it'll be there when I retire, if I ever retire. And, but I'm not going to trust in that for security. Because it comes and it can go. And the stock market might turn south and it will not be what I think it'll be. And so I'm not going to trust, I'm not going to put my trust in money. So he continues, Paul continues, they, those who are rich, should trust in God. They should trust in God who richly provides all that we need. And I love this phrase, and this should make you smile, for our enjoyment like God gives you so much for your enjoyment. It's not like you have to take everything and just give it away. No, no. God provides for your enjoyment. You should enjoy an incredible Thanksgiving meal this week. You should make pie and turkey. I'm making a brisket this week. Does anybody want to come to my house yet? I want you to, I, like, I don't want any more turkey. My grandmother made great turkeys. I, don't, I just want brisket, so I'm doing that. So anyway... Their trust should be in God who richly provides all that we need for our enjoyment. He wants us to enjoy what we've been given. So the statement, I will trust in God who provides all that I need. I have more than I need. I'm rich. But I'm not going to trust in my riches. I'm not going to trust in my money. I'm not going to trust in my possessions. But rather, I'm going to trust in God because he's the provider of everything that I have. Right? So you see where we're going with this? So then... What should I do? As someone who's been given more than I need, what is my responsibility in this world? And this is where Paul kind of gives us, you know, this, this is the line. This is the, 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 the marching orders. He says this, tell them, those who, who have more than they need, tell them to use their money to do good. In other words, don't use all your money on yourself, but rather use your money, this tool, to do good. Be rich in good deeds. The time that you've been given, the abilities you've been given, do good with those things. And be generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Listen, so many of us go through life like this. Like we're accumulating, 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 accumulating. And when we're accumulating, our focus tends to be on ourselves and what we're and so what, what he's saying is like shift your focus it's not just about accumulating but rather be generous and willing to share so begin to open your hands and when you open your hands you begin to see a world in desperate need did you know in our world today if your household income is above thirty three thousand dollars you're in the top one percent of wage earners in the world 
Let me say that again. If your income, if your household income is above $33,000 a year, then you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world, which means there are so many people who have so much less than us. And God is saying, don't just focus on what you don't have, but rather focus on using what you do have for the good of others. Like share, just like God shared with us, share with others. So tell them to use what they have to do good, to be rich and generous. So the next statement is, I will do good, right? I'll do good, I'll be generous with everything I have. And then by doing this, they will be storing up a treasure for the future. If we are able to do good and be generous, then what Paul says is that we're storing up something in the future, and this is a foundation so that we might experience, what's that last word? True life. So that we might, and who doesn't want life? We all want to experience life. It's why we buy stuff like this, because we think there's life in this. And, and we're reminded that in God's economy, when we share, when we're, when we're generous, which is one of the very first things we teach our kids with their toys, right? To share. God says we need to be retaught that as adults. Because when you share, you open yourself up to new kinds of relationships and you store up for the future, true life, both now and forever. Now, if you've drifted off, if I haven't engaged you at this point, I'm going to call you back. If you're asleep, wake up just for a minute, and we're going to wrap this up in just a second. And I want us to, to remember this. I think this is so very important. One day, one day, all of our possessions, all of the ways that we spent our money will testify to the lives that we've lived. I, um, I was up in the attic. We decorated before Thanksgiving. Anybody else? Yes. I, I, yes. And I was up in the attic and I was looking around and I was thinking to myself, one day... Robin and I are going to die. And our kids are going to climb up into our attic and wonder why in the world we saved the things that we saved. <laughs> now, I know that's kind of humorous, but then I started to think that all that they find, both in those places and also in our checkbooks, in our bank registers, whatever they're called today, they're going to tell something about my life. The ways that we spend our money, the possessions that we acquire, all of that will tell a story. What story will it tell to the world, to our kids, to our loved ones? How awesome would it be? How awesome would it be if at the end of your life, you will have already worked out all the inheritance stuff, if you have kids and grandkids, uh, if you will have already determined that they don't deserve any of it, so you give it over here, somewhere else, the multiply, all this. Um, how awesome would it be? You get to the end of your life, all that's worked out, you've been working through your stuff so that nobody ever has to go through it, and at the end, you've used everything God's given you, and there's nothing left. How awesome would that be? If your kids, after you're gone, don't have to fight about who gets what because you've already taken care of it all. You don't save anything for them to go through in the attic, but rather when you're done, they celebrate your life 
and they live with the legacy you've given them. How awesome would that be? Now, I don't think about this kind of thing very often because I think of myself as a young guy. And some of you laugh at that. You're like, you are not young. You need to like look in the mirror and remember you're not as young as you think. Others of you laugh and you go, you are a lot younger than you think. And, but here's the deal. All of us, every single one of us have been entrusted with something, with time, with talents, and with money. And every single one of us has a responsibility to use these tools to the best of our ability in the world in which we live. So here's the challenge. And we're trying to do this more and more. Here's the challenge. You ready for this? And then we'll be done. The challenge this Thanksgiving, as we enter into this last little stretch of the year, is to do those two things, to do good and to be generous. And we want to help you with that. And so here's what we're going to do together as a church. So do good. Um, we talked last week about AZ, Hope in a Future. Remember all these foster kids that are in the foster system but have not been placed in homes yet? We want to provide Christmas gifts to as many as possible. So last week we had 200 names, and we thought we can probably provide gifts for 200 foster kids who are not in homes so that they can have a Christmas, right? Well, after the first service, they took almost all of them. So the second service really didn't have an option and an opportunity to get any names. So we called the organization, our, one of our partners, and said, is there any chance there's any more kids who need a Christmas this year? And they said, you know what? We were just called by a school who can only provide about half of what they need. And so we have a, a big need to, to and we said, send, it, send them to us. We can try to do good. And they said, don't feel any obligation. And I said, no, no, I want to put that on our people. We are, you're obligated now. <laughs> no, you're not. If you want to do good in that way, stop by. There's a table out in the lobby today. Pick it up. Go buy some gifts and bring them back. Teach One to Lead One is an incredible organization that is inside the local schools investing in children that are at risk. Come on, we can do that. We've already got 20 volunteers that are a part of our church that serve every week for an hour in a local school. That's something that if you have the time, it's a great opportunity to do good in this world, to invest in something that will outlive you. Our Mountain Kids area, did you know that every Sunday morning in our children's and student area, we have about 200 kids who are learning about Jesus and the love of God. And it's growing. Every week it's growing, and we could use some help in that area. If you love kids, if you, listen, if you don't like kids, don't sign up. We, we, like, that's not helpful. But if you love kids... If, if you love kids, we could, we could use you. And so write that on your card. Like, I'd be interested in helping. We'll run a background check on you because we do that on everybody. And um, we'll, we'll train you. And then we'll launch you and help you be successful in doing that. The dream team, our dream team, there's a number of opportunities from back here in the tech area. I mean, there's just so many things. If you want to serve, if you want to do good, we can, we can do this together. So the second challenge is a little bit more difficult. And here it is. Be generous. And for today only, for today only, $29.95 can help you change the world. $29.95, people. It's a one-time offer. If you want to be a part of this, $29.95 can change the world. Um, now, you laugh at that. $29.95. If you're a part of McDowell, if, if you're just here today and you want me to quit talking, you can give $29.95 and... Um, and we're going to do this together to, over the next week. 
And by Giving Tuesday, we'll shut it down. We're going to give away 100% of what comes in. And we're just asking everyone to give $29.95 per person. So I have five people in my family. We're going to give $29.95 per person. Um, I'm going to invite you to do the same. And our goal this year is to give away $25,000 at Christmas to four of our partners, two local and two global, that desperately need some help in funding the good that God is doing through them. And we can help them with that, right? We can do that. $29.95. So where can you do $29.95? Listen. Do I sound like a commercial yet? For $29.95, mcdowell.church slash be rich, you can find the opportunity to give. mcdowell.church slash be rich. Today only, $29.95. Next Sunday, that day as well, $29.95. And every day in between, $29.95. So you can do good and you can be generous. Now, let me just show you what this does in the world. Since 2007, there have been churches doing this, this concept, Be Rich. $35 million through churches in the last uh, number of years have been given through Be Rich, and we're going to be a part of that this year, all right? Hopefully, $25,000 will be added to that through McDowell. 336,000 hours of service have been given to over 600 nonprofits, not just in the United States, but around the world, because people said, you know what? I've been blessed with more than I need, and I want to do good and be rich. Are you in? All right, so I got 50 of you. Stand with me, and uh, let's go ahead and stand up, everybody, not just 50, but everybody stand up. And if you just stood up, you're in. So I am so thankful that you are here today. Have a great Thanksgiving. And don't forget, God is good. He's given us more than we need. Let's be rich in the way that we take what he's given and give it to others. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.